When you've been around as long as Scooby-Doo has, you're bound to see a lot of copycats and parodies show up. Heck, even Hanna-Barbera, the studio behind Scooby-Doo, used the show as a copy-and-paste template for cartoon after cartoon after cartoon. Cool and quirky teens plus wacky merchandisable mascot equals profit. And on the parody end of things, there are examples everywhere, including the Scooby-Doo franchise. Time and time again, they've made fun of their own franchise in various installments over the course of Scooby's history. I mean, let's be honest, the Scrappy-Doo show was... garbage. It was bad. And, and they've recognized it. So, when you first start reading the webtoon titled Scoob and Shag, it seems like any other parody. Well, maybe a little out there from time to time, but let's be honest here. The current state of the internet's sense of humor is random as hell, and this webtoon epitomizes it. But somewhere along the way, things start to turn dark. As some other familiar cartoon faces start to appear, which soon becomes a staple aspect of this webtoon, the atmosphere takes a turn. Suddenly, what started as a funny and wacky story becomes terrifying. Comedic drawings give way to nightmarish imagery, and it's this change in tone that becomes a vehicle for this story to become an epic adventure. For the first podcast of Axel's Spooktober, we'll be discussing the webtoon Scoob and Shag by Mystery Crew, found on the webtoon app. This is the first of a four-part series for the month of October, where I'm covering some of my favorite spooky content. Stick around until the end of the podcast to find out what's in store for the next three weeks. For now, I'm Axel Ablaze, and like Zinky's Scoob, let's talk about Scoob and Shag! Now, before we get into it, be warned that there are spoilers for the webtoon in this podcast. As this is an audio podcast, there won't be any visual spoilers, so I do encourage you to go out and read the webtoon for yourselves. I will do my best to put character er, chapter markers throughout the podcast so you know where to stop if you don't want any spoilers past a certain point. With that out of the way, let's get into it. Now, the very first chapter slash comic of Scoob and Shag has the profound title of Mayo, as in mayonnaise. (laughs) Shaggy and Scooby face a classic dilemma. They've got a lot of sandwiches, but they don't have any mayonnaise. Shaggy says, Zinky, Scoob, like, where are we gonna get the mayo for all these sandwiches? And after two panels... Of zooming in on Scooby's derpy face, he vomits out a tidal wave of mayo. This is peak comedy. (laughs) What follows is a series of one-shot comedy comic strips featuring a concerned Shaggy with rotating catchphrases, a swearing, bird-flipping, gun-toting Scooby-Doo, and jokes ranging from Snickers jokes to absolute existentialism. We're running the whole gambit here. Oh, and apparently Scooby has Sharingan eyes at one point, so I'll I'll let you digest that for a second there. 
Now, these random escapades keep happening until we get to the 17th chapter, where we finally meet another important character in this webtoon, Kermit the Frog. And no, he is not a one-off character, despite the fact that Scooby is clearly a talking dog, both Shaggy and Scooby are amazed at the fact that they've encountered a talking frog. A weed-smoking talking frog at that. Together, the three of them head toward a house that is set to change the webtoon in a way that no one would see coming up to this point. Now, for a few chapters, the webtoon starts to grapple with two conflicting tones. While trying to maintain the wacky and random humor, ranging from bugles on Kermit's fingers to Scooby shooting Mario, yes, the Italian Goomba-stomping Mario, in the shoulder with his gun, the webtoon starts giving way to some eerie moments. Something doesn't feel right. And for the first time, we're in a linear storyline... But what is this all leading to? And that brings us to chapter 25, titled Stranger. The chapter begins with Scooby and Kermit separated from Shaggy. Scooby turns around to the hallway and sees nothing. A panel later, a figure appears, obscured by the darkness. And from the shadows of the hallway behind them, a voice speaks up. Psst! Ha <laughs> I can't help you find your friend. Scooby and Kermit turn around as another laugh comes from this mystery figure. And then we get a single comic panel that could haunt anyone's dreams as it ushers in the beginning of a dark and scary tonal shift. Standing there against a dark background is a raggedy and horrifying Mickey Mouse costume. An open-mouthed smile, waist-high pants with a tear in one of the knees, and long, gangly arms that stretch down past the knees. All of this, and there's a single eye staring out from behind one of the mascot's costume's eyes. He stands there ominously and says three words. Just follow me! If nothing else... I encourage you to read chapter, uh, not chapter 5, chapter 25 for yourself, just so you can see this terrifying image. Up to this point in the series, the level of detail work on the main trio has been on the simpler side. So the sudden attention to detail with the shading and dark background really emphasize the true horror that we're seeing for the very first time. You are meant to fear this creepy character and wonder what is in store for this webtoon. So at this point, you're probably thinking that it, this is the turning point. This is the turning point we're dealing with nothing but horror from this point forward, right? We're just going to keep this tone and be And there's Goofy. <laughs> the chapter immediately following the Nightmare Mickey reveal has Shaggy finding Goofy from the Disney cartoons in a dimly lit hallway separated from the rest of the group. Not another costume character like this fake Mickey, this is the real deal. And the tug of war between comedy and horror continues as a comic tries to keep things funny, 
despite the dark elements creeping in and starting to take a hold of the comic. We see a split story as the nightmarish Mickey costume man leads Scooby and Kermit through a different hallway with blood-covered floors as Goofy gives Shaggy a picture of Goku framed to help them find their own way through the dark house. Goku in a picture frame. Uh, that that says that says something right there. As Shaggy and Goofy go deeper into the mysterious house, something is once again off. Goofy coughs a few times until he finds coughed up blood on his gloved hand. But before we have time to process this, the story shifts back to Mickey, Scooby, and Kermit as they find themselves in a lab room. It's there that they meet Barney Rubble from the Flintstones. Again, another random character. He asks them why the three of them are there. And that is when he starts going into his own coughing fit. Blood gushes from Barney's mouth as he crumples to the floor. Only for the trio to see his body start to convulse and morph before their eyes. Is this an optical illusion? No. The Mickey Man says that they should run, as looming before them roars a transformed monster version of Barney Rubble with a wide, gaping maw dripping with blood. Chapter 32, a.k.a. Lab, once again changes the game as we truly fling ourselves towards the horror genre this webtoon has taken on. But then the game changes again. <laughs> In the span of a few chapters, the webtoon goes through tonal whiplash. Let's speedrun some of the details. Costume Mickey Man says they need to stop and fight Monster Barney. Scooby's eyes start glowing, and the gun he previously used just for the sake of humor now blasts a hole through Monster Barney. Mickey Man, Scooby, and Kermit go back into the building... Except it was a hollow chamber sci-fi thing. Yosemite Sam from Looney Tunes shows up, pistol whips Mickey Man, then uses the same glowing eyes and gun move to stop Scooby from interfering. Sam refers to the quote-unquote, the fellers upstairs, and says they sent him to stop Mickey Man right before he shoots Kermit in the shoulder. Back to Shaggy and Scooby now, and the two of them find more cartoon characters floating in tubes in another lab. Goofy doesn't feel good. Goofy vomits more blood. And then we get Monster Goofy. Let's slow it back down here, because once again, we get yet another terrifying image of the monster that Goofy has become. Shaggy can only look in terror as he sees Goofy transform. Crack, blorp, glop, crunch, these sounds are spelled out for us in a slim panel showing Shaggy's concerned face before we see the panel of monster Goofy. While his torso and legs have stayed the same, Goofy's arms and hands have extended to twice the size they were before as they lie on the ground at his sides. Yet the true terror is neck up. Goofy's neck has extended and bubbled up, leading to an enormous dog head with floppy ears, glazed over eyes, and blood dripping from his fanged muzzle. 
His signature hat looks absolutely tiny as it rests upon his oversized head. In the following chapter, chapter 40 titled Escape, Shaggy runs for his life, desperately making his way for the door. Every other panel showing Monster Goofy shambling toward him amidst the shadowy cartoon silhouettes floating in the tubes around them. Shaggy makes it to the door and opens it, but Monster Goofy grabs his arm just as he makes it out the door. And the chapter ends as Shaggy can only look in shock while blood splatters his face and we see the word slam. Reading these 40 chapters for the first time, and even rereading them for this podcast, is an absolute roller coaster. Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, the very first chapter of this webtoon was centered around a mayonnaise joke, and over the course of 40 chapters, it evolved into something so odd yet satisfying. And that's reflected in the About section on the ScoobandShag.com website. Quoting from the website, Scoob and Shag is a webcomic series that started on Tumblr in 2014 as a joke between a group of friends. Since then, it has grown into an ongoing parody based on the popular Hanna-Barbera cartoon, taking elements from modern horror, common, comedy, and shonen anime. <laughs> it's, it's weird to bring up Tumblr unironically in 2020, but here we are. Tumblr jokes aside, I think the webtoon would have still been enjoyable as a series of one-off gag chapters, but I don't know that it would have been as enjoyable as the current product. With that little moment of reflection out of the way, we now return to the story. Prepare for stimulation overload. Over the course of the next few chapters, Shaggy wakes up in a hospital bed to the sight of Kermit the Frog and Yogi the Bear. He's told that Scooby has been taken by quote-unquote them, and he finds out in horror that his left hand is now gone after the monster Goofy attack. Yogi takes the two of them out into the general area of Med Bay 3 that's part of some kind of spaceship. There we see various other cartoon characters, including Daffy Duck, Bart Simpson, Mandark from Dexter's Lab, He-Man, Buttercup from Powerpuff Girls, Gerald from Hey Arnold, and Rocco from Modern's Life all milling about. At this point, Yogi doesn't elaborate about the ship, as he's more concerned with talking or taking Shaggy and Kermit to meet up with Popeye the Sailor Man. Yes, I know, lots of random cartoon characters here. More to come, I assure you. Popeye is shocked, and so are we for that matter, that Kermit and Shaggy have selective amnesia, and don't remember the ship that they're on. Popeye then decides to fill them in, and starts by saying, We ain't from this world. Cartoons as we know them are from a different world. Compared to Earth... Their technology was incredibly advanced, and through their scientific advancements, they were able to make contact with our planet. That said, we on Earth came to know them through broadcast television. The people on Earth loved and admired the cartoons, and soon that love and admiration became a kind of superpower that filled each and every cartoon. 
but with power comes those who want to use it for nefarious purposes. The cartoon planet was attacked, but its people were saved by one of the commanders of the Six Fleets. A cartoon with a gun in one hand and a cape with a penis logo on it. That hero was none other than Scooby-Doo. The surviving cartoons left on Scooby's ship also shaped like a penis and headed for Earth. But Popeye explains that issues soon arose as infighting started to occur with Toons taking sides. There were monsters infecting people as well. And if they want to get Scooby back from the other side, they need to start training. We cut away to a recon team of Felix the Cat, Dee Dee from Dexter's Lab, Courage the Cowardly Dog, and Swiper the Fox from Dora the Explorer. <laughs> the four of them hear a noise, and Swiper goes to check it out only to find a bug-eyed monster with spindly arms. Swiper and Courage fight it off by using their own unique powers called Ballyhoo, and finish the monster off with no problem. This is where the anime influence kicks in. Now, the best way to describe Ballyhoo is that it's the cartoon version of Nen from Hunter Hunter. Now, bear, bear with me here. Ballyhoo is unique to each tune, but there are some similarities. Each Ballyhoo is named after something television or broadcast related. For example, Swiper's Ballyhoo is called Info, and it lets him find an enemy's weak spot. Courage the Cowardly Dog's Ballyhoo is called On Demand. And at least in the scene that we sh uh, see it shown off, he turns into a sniper rifle and shoots the bug-eyed monster. While we don't have names yet for Scooby or Yosemite Sam's Ballyhoo's, we do know that both of them are gun-related. Or so we think so far. The reason why I said Nen is the best comparison is that for the most part, the various Ballyhoo powers in this webtoon fall under similar categories like the six types of Nen auras. You've got your enhancers, transmuters, emitters, conjurers, manipulators, and specialists. And just like Nen, Ballyhoo is something that can be trained and improved upon with practice. From this point forward, Ballyhoo is an important aspect of the webtoon as we shift firmly into an anime-style series. So think kind of like uh, the Ripple from JoJo or how Stans took over in Part 3. Became incredibly important to the story from thereafter. But back to Scoop, uh, Shag and Scoob. Scoob and Shag. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's a lot more action, humor, horror, and gore from this point forward. But the part of the story that I want to discuss next starts on chapter 68, titled Rerun. After a near-death experience, Swiper and Courage find themselves seemingly back on their homeworld. Out of nowhere appears Patrick Starr from Spongebob. He reveals to the two Toons that he used his Ballyhoo Rerun to send the two of them back in time in one of the wordiest and most confusing explanations I've ever seen, and I've seen walls of text before. Cough, cough, hunter, hunter. From a humor standpoint, this is absolutely brilliant. Giving Patrick a ballyhoo with a confusing description on par with that of King, Crim King Crimson from Jojo Part 5 is the best fit for him. 
Amidst all of the text, Swiper and Courage are told three important details. First, they are viewing the past but cannot interact with it as to avoid a paradox. Though this is contradicted since Patrick also mentions that this is an illusion. Two, whether or not this is an illusion or time travel, they are there to observe something important that needs to be relayed back to the people in the present. Or the future. Again, gotta love the confusion here. And three, Patrick can't bring Swiper and Courage back using his ballyhoo, so somehow the two of them need to find a way back to their friends. Supposedly, they already pull this off, and that's why Patrick knows to meet and inform them about the situation. Again, supposedly. Honestly, if this wasn't an intentional dig at King Crimson from JoJo, I'd be surprised. Their decision at this point is to seek out the six commanders, and because of this, we as the audience get to peer into the backstory of this series. They see Scooby with Bugs Bunny in matching commander outfits. It's while the two of them are alone that Bugs reveals their Toon planet has been in contact with a planet other than Earth, and that's Mars. The Martians are seeking discussions of peace with the Toons, but Scooby is the first one Bugs reveals this to, and yes, these Martians are the same black circle-headed Martians like Marvin the Martian from Looney Tunes. Bugs talks to Scooby first because he's not sure how the other commanders will take this information. Scooby, ju- uh, Sco- Scooby jokes that he'll keep this on the down low as long as Bugs buys lunch. And this is quite the contrast, though, compared to events happening in the present, but I'll leave that for you guys to read and find out for yourselves. Two chapters later, we see three more of the six commanders. These other three are Betty Boop, SpongeBob, and Homer Simpson. The sixth commander, or number one as Betty calls them, is not in attendance. Bugs leads the meeting between the five that are there and brings up the fact that the Martians have the capability of using Ballyhoo just like the Toons. Now this news about the Ballyhoo is concerning to both Homer and Betty. There's a danger for those with too much power. And Bugs is aware of this as well and says that he wanted to give the Martians a chance to show they meant no harm. He turns on a broadcast for the commanders to meet them, only to see a distress signal instead. Two Martians are fending off unknown alien invaders and are seeking help. They need to evacuate their planet after thousands have died. But before Bugs or the commanders can respond, the Martians are attacked off-screen. Homer orders for Bugs to cut the broadcast. In secret, Scooby meets up with Bugs after the meeting, and Bugs sends the coordinates for their world to Mars. If they can avoid more lives lost, then he'll do whatever it takes. It's here that we also see one of the negative effects of having a powerful connection to Ballyhoo, and in my opinion, this is super clever. For anyone with a powerful Ballyhoo, they start to hear voices in their heads. The voices of those that watch the cartoons on TV. For Bugs in particular, his outlet for this is breaking the fourth wall and speaking to the readers. This is a brilliant way to build upon a character trait Bugs already has in the cartoons, but putting an unsettling twist on it. Bugs says that he's fine, but it's clear that he's losing control to the voices as time goes on. In time, we finally meet the top commander, but for the sake of some secrecy, I'll keep their identity under wraps for now. 
the commander meets up with the Patrick Star of that past and asks him to time travel to this very point in time after 20 years have passed for Patrick. He reluctantly agrees, and a few moments later we see a second Patrick appear. With a sad look on the side profile, the future Patrick says, Hey, handsome, as he forces a smile, with a giant bloody hole in the other side of his face. The commander has future Patrick tell him everything and takes notes in the process. Once he's finished and confirms that's everything, the commander uses his ballyhoo and crushes future Patrick's head. The commander's only words to the Patrick of the past are, I hope you made the most of it, in reference to those 20 years he would have, would have left to live. And for the record, no, we don't know what happens in the future yet. The events we are witnessing right now are from 15 years in the past, so those five years are still in question. It's also in the past that we finally get to see the rest of the Mystery Incorporated gang, starting with Velma and Fred. Velma's ballyhoo is called Format, and allows her to race people's memories. Keep that in mind coming up here. Velma is then seen working with the top commander as they reveal their plans for the planet. Despite having introduced the power of ballyhoo to the planet, the top commander considered it, considers it to be a poison. As Freddy and Kermit the Frog now are now seen eavesdropping, they're approached by Olive Oil from the Popeye cartoon, as she uses her ballyhoo, ballyhoo mute to temporarily silence them. She reveals that Velma is currently acting as a double agent, knowing that the top commander wants her for her memory-erasing Ballyhoo. The records on the origins of Ballyhoo and the first trip to Earth had been mostly erased, and the top commander started acting suspiciously once bugs started making contact with Mars. And as those three try to listen in, the top commander orders their own secret agent to make a trip to... Uh, sorry. Orders their own secret agent to make a trip to Earth to prepare for their arrival while the commander prepares for their slumber. Velma follows after the commander and asks them about the cleanse. The commander reveals that they were responsible for the tr first trip to Earth, setting up the relations with the Earthlings for their cartoon broadcasts. In the process, they discovered Ballyhoo, and a dark power that was Ballyhoo's opposite, a power fueled by hate. It was also the top commander that made initial contact with Mars and found out that the Martians could also use Ballyhoo. The Martians were used as test subjects, while under the guise of a show. Duck Dodgers at that. But they soon started transforming into monsters. The top commander cut the frequency to Mars, but now Bugs has remade contact and the Martians are on their way to the Toon planet. The top commander will be fine, though, because they have... Special tubes that negate Ballyhoo. This will protect them when the Martians come, but Velma pushes the commander into one of them and runs off. And once again, things start going off the rails. It's time once again for another event speedrun. Bugs gets taken in by two of Homer's lieutenants, but they're no match for his Ballyhoo. Before Homer has a chance to use his own ballyhoo, the Martian spacecrafts appear in the sky behind him. Fred, Velma, and Kermit try to stop the top commander's secret agent from leaving the planet, but fail. So Kermit leaps onto the escape ship and ends up being flown to Earth. Speaking of the top commander, inside their tube, the voices in their head from ballyhoo are quickly driving them insane. 
Bugs and his followers defect from the rest of the Toons. The Toons remaining on the planet fought off the Martians that came, but the Martians started infecting the Toons. Scooby and a large group of Toons board a spaceship, the one from the present, to escape the planet. The Martian Queen and three of her attendants end up fighting Scooby and the rest of Mystery Inc. on top of this ship as it takes off. As a Ballyhoo fight ensues, the Mystery Inc. gang gets blown off into space. Time passes, and we return back to Kermit as he's hitchhiking on Earth. He stumbles upon a flower field and finds Velma there. And this is now 15 years later, right before the start of this webtoon. Kermit tries to get her and the gang to come back and fight, since others survived escaping the planet, but Velma declines. Velma made a choice and wiped the memories of her friends, and now she does the same to Kermit. Shaggy and Scooby borrow the mystery sheet machine to go get chili dogs, and that chili dog trip was what started our webtoon. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the backstory of this webtoon as we know it so far. And just, wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to make one of those, and people said Avengers Infinity War was an ambitious crossover jokes, but I will say that the creators of this webtoon have done one hell of a job putting all of these various cartoon characters into one semi-cohesive storyline. I'd be lying to myself if it all made sense, since there's a bunch of deus ex machina moments, random exposition thrown in, and the occasional random-as-hell humor from the first 16 chapters thrown in, derailing some of the dramatic plotlines going on. And we get these bloody character fights and grotesque monster scenes. And you'll have a random chapter of Bart Simpson asking Daffy Duck for chicken nuggets. And for the record, no, Daffy didn't have any chicken nuggets. So Bart called him a bitch for it. Comedy gold. It's, it's all so weird, but it works. What started out as a gag series became an awesome horror-slash-action-slash-drama-slash-anime series, which in and of itself is a kind of funny anime-slash-manga trope when you think about it. There have been a lot of series over the years that started out as gag manga and turned it into battle manga. Katekyo Hitman Reborn is one of my favorite Shonen Jump titles of all time, and that's a prime example. And, man, the anime influences here are really well done, honestly. To be clear, the only anime character in this entire series so far is Goku, and that's only as a picture in a picture frame that Shaggy has on his person. There have been no anime characters in or interacting with the cast so far, um, but it could make for an interesting plot point in the future, though. Like, if there's yet another planet out there with anime characters similar, similar to the Toon Planet. Now, one of the things that I glossed over in this podcast is the quality of the fight scenes. And yes, there are several of them. The main reason being that I wanted to focus more so on the story and the horror... But the fights do become an important aspect of the webtoon as time goes on. And just like a Nen fight in Hunter x Hunter, it's interesting to see two or more different tunes fighting each other with their various Ballyhoo powers. Especially since they can vary so much in power and efficiency. Some people are strong enough to fight on their own, while others are much stronger when they use their powers in tandem. 
And as the series has gone on, the art and storyboarding has just been getting better and better and just making the fights that much more interesting. Another thing I want to touch on is the depth of emotions that we get to see these characters experience. Once again, looking toward the beginning of the series, we started out by seeing very one-dimensional versions of Scooby and Shaggy and their comedic moments together. But as time went on and the pair met more tunes, their emotions and expressions evolved. Especially with Shaggy as he becomes the protagonist of the series. And yes, I did say protagonist. Fear, joy, relief, anguish. Shaggy's character undergoes an evolution as he slowly comes out of his stupor caused by Velma's ballyhoo. And you can't help but feel for this guy. I mean, imagine if you, a normal person, were spending your days with your friends with no cares in the world, only to find out that there are people like you turning into monsters and you have to fight them. And that's after you lose one of your hands at that. You're not from this planet, your friends aren't from this planet, and you have no idea what's become of your planet. There was so much more to your life that you knew, and it's all being thrust on you at once. Like, that is a lot for one character to bear, and I haven't even scratched the surface on Shaggy and who he is, because there is so much more to his character. And there's a lot more to the plot that I haven't mentioned with Shaggy's character, but it's really because I want you to read it for yourself. I want you to see his emotional journey, look at his past, and question what the future has in store for him and the rest of the tunes in this series. And at this point, I do have some questions of my own for the plot moving forward that haven't been answered yet. What did the top commander's plans fully entail with the cleanse that they mentioned? Their plan didn't come to fruition in the past, but how have the events that played out factor into a new plan? Speaking of commanders, what happened to the other three commanders on the Toon Planet? We haven't seen Homer, Betty Boop, or Spongebob since Swiper and Courage went to the past. Did they manage to escape from the planet? Did they die or survive? Or worse, did they themselves become monsters? What happened to the Martian Queen? The last scene we see with her is her ballyhoo fight against the Mystery Inc. gang. The questions I have about the commanders are the same I have for the Queen. And for all we know, Velma and the rest of the Mystery Inc. gang are all still alive at this point. What's going to happen to them if and or when the top commander, comm commander, commander and or those under their command find Velma knowing that she betrayed the commander? And last but not least, what actually happened to Goofy? There, There is no resolution there for that one. None. After Shaggy loses his hand, we immediately cut to him waking up in the med bay. So was Monster Goofy killed off? Did he escape? Did he get captured? I really want to know, and I don't have answers yet. But other than that, I do have more questions. But these at least were the most prominent ones that I have right now. And I would love to hear what you guys think, especially if you have any theories of your own. And if you have any questions, I would love to hear them too, so we can start a discussion. At the time of writing the script and recording, there are 106 chapters for Scoob and Shag. Chapters get uploaded every one to three weeks, varies from chapter to chapter. The series has been viewed over 35.4 million times, has over 245,000 subscribers, and has a 9.81 rating on Webtoon. 
And if you do love Scooby-Doo and or cartoons from the 90s and earlier, read this series. If you're a fan of goofy, nonsensical humor, read this series. If you like horror, blood, and guts, read this series. If you enjoy over-the-top fights with super-powered characters, read this series. If you enjoy fan fictions with intriguing stories, read this series. And let's be honest here. If you're still listening to this podcast and haven't started reading Scoob and Shag, then you should. And while you're reading it through Webtoon, you should check out some of the other cool cartoons that are on the app. I would love to cover more Webtoons in the future. And if there's a particular series that you guys enjoy, I would be more than happy to cover them. But for now, that covers Scoob and Shag in the first episode of Spooktober. For the rest of the month, I'm going to be covering some more of my favorite scary series every Friday. Scoob and Shag is... All, in all honesty, pretty tame compared to what I'm going to be covering for the rest of the month. So let's cover it. On the 16th, I will be talking about the horror manga Libidors by Kasahara Masaki. An unknown parasite is spreading across Japan, turning people into monsters based on their sex drives, kinks, and complexes. But one teenage boy seems to have control over his libido and might be the answer to saving everyone from these rapidly multiplying monsters. This is definitely going to be a podcast where viewer slash listener discretion is advised, so keep that in mind before checking out this next podcast. On the 23rd, we'll be discussing a much more well-known horror series, Gantz. For those familiar with my YouTube channel, Gantz was one of the anime series I mentioned in my top 5 anime that need a reboot video. And for this particular podcast, I'll be discussing the two live-action movies as well as the CGI movie. I will be sure to talk about the anime and manga as well, but the main focus will be on the movies here. And last, but certainly not least, on the 30th, I will be discussing the king of horror, Junji Ito himself. This podcast, however, is special because my Axel Blaze Productions YouTube channel will have a video recording. For this Junji Ito special, I will be sitting down with my special guest, and more importantly my girlfriend, Pastel Yu, since she absolutely loves Junji Ito. We will be talking about several of his books, the Junji Ito anime, specifically how bad it is, and the upcoming Uzumaki anime coming to Toonami. And you can watch or listen to this episode just in time for Halloween. With those announcements out of the way, I want to thank those of you that have stuck around to the end of the episode. Moving forward, I plan to release every new episode on Fridays. You can find these podcasts on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Breaker, and Radio Public. As my podcast becomes more available on other platforms, I will be sure to update everyone. But for more videos, you can check out my YouTube channel. And if you want to check me out on social media, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. For now, I'm Axel Blaze, and like Zimbabwe Scoob, I could really go for a Scooby-Doo cartoon marathon right about now. So, don't mind if I Ruby Ruby Doo. See you all in the next episode. Bye bye.